Welcome to the ASTS podcast featuring Vern Jones and Juan Garza. And now here's the ASTS podcast. Welcome to the ASTS podcast. I'm Juan Garza, Vice President of ASTS. Today's discussion involves the importance and development of a workplace drug and alcohol testing policy. I am joined again today by Vern Jones, founder and president of ASTS. Vern, why is it important to develop a written drug and alcohol testing policy? Juan, a written policy establishes an employer's authority to test. If an employer is now adding drug and alcohol testing to current employees, it obviously is changing the work rules for that particular employer. And so it's always best whenever you have a major change of that nature to actually write the policy, make certain that we distribute it to the employees, that they have a chance to have questions answered regarding this policy. And also, like uh, any time an employer is subject to the uh, Drug-Free Workplace Acts that many states have instituted, or the Federal Department of Transportation Drug and Alcohol Programs, they also require policies. It's the right thing to do to let employees know what new rules that they're subject to, when they'll be tested, and what the consequences would be. What are some of the critical components of a, uh, of a testing policy? We like to start when we establish a policy with a section called definitions. Uh, we need to certainly define some things. With urine drug testing or any of the drug testing specimens that we have, we aren't really able to determine if they are under the influence of drugs at that time. So if we use that term anywhere in the policy, which is very common, we need to define it. And define under the influence is simply a positive drug test or a drug test with levels greater than the cutoff levels that we use. So under the influence is an important definition to have. Alcohol violations. Most employers will include alcohol testing in a a testing program. And if we do that, we have to make certain that we establish what alcohol levels are a violation. Most employers are employees are familiar with a a point zero eight zero level for being under the influence while you're driving a personal vehicle. But in the workplace, we typically use lower levels. Point zero four zero is the one that most employers are arriving at because that certainly at that point establishes some level of impairment for that employee. In addition to that, alcohol is the only legal drug that we test for. So we also typically have to address some violations. What else is prohibited? For instance, we should prohibit drinking while on duty, possessing alcohol while on duty. Those are important issues to define and make sure the employee is aware of. A definition for company premises is often important. We need to make certain that uh, even if an employee is not on our physical property, if they're off property and performing duties for us and as representing the company, we have to make certain that they are also understand that they're subject to our drug and alcohol rules at that point. We need to let them know what uh, prohibited conduct is. It sounds simple, but we literally need to make sure they understand what we're asking them to avoid doing, which drugs that we're testing for may or may not be added into that uh, definition, but we certainly need to let them know about that. Payment of services. It's most employers believe that that they're going to pay for everything, but in some instances, that's not necessarily the case. So we need to address who is going to pay for which services offered and required in this program. Don't employers always pay for the cost of testing? Yes, certainly they do if it's um, the reasonable cause, if a random post-accident, pre-employment, the typical instances of testing. But almost all testing programs now involve additional options for testing. 
The split specimen test is one that comes to mind immediately. A split specimen typically means that uh, the employer, at the time of collection, uh, the employee provides one urine specimen. It's then poured over into two different vials. Both of those vials are labeled and initialed by the employee, and then they're sent to the laboratory for testing. One of those bottles will never be opened or tested at that laboratory. It is only there in the event that the first vial that we open shows the presence of a drug, we're reporting a positive to the employer, and now the employee is saying, there is no way in the world that I use these drugs, accusing the first laboratory of making a very serious error. We need to address that. That's a concern and a policy. So the split specimen, we have to have the ability to send that other specimen that has never been opened to a competing laboratory to see if the drug really are there. Both the employer and the employee have a real serious need to make certain that this result is accurate. And split specimen testing does that. However, that split specimen testing is very expensive. Typically, it's around $200. Now, the employer, after the first test and the confirmation at the first laboratory, has all the legal evidence they need at that point to make certain um, that they could defend that in court. However, if the employee really knows they're innocent, typically we'll require that that employee pay for the cost of that split specimen testing, and then if it comes back, that the drugs were not present, the employee will reimburse them for it. It's an expensive assurance, but we need to make certain that it's available to the employee. But that's an instance where we think that they literally should uh, invest uh, in the result of this test, if you would. Another situation where we typically recommend the employee pay for part of the testing is following a positive test or a refusal to test. If the employer decides to bring them back at that point, Then we need to have a negative test before they come back, but more importantly, we need to monitor them and make sure that they're no longer using. And so therefore, if an employer is incurring these additional tests above and beyond the expense of every other employee, and if you would, allowing that employee to to change and make the corrections to allow them to be a productive worker again, we need to, in some of those instances, we may really require that the employee pay for those tests or at least share in the cost of those tests. Um, that would be a couple of instances where we might ask them to, to pay. We are going to be discussing the uh, return to duty recommendations in a future podcast. We've discussed some things to include in a policy. Are there any issues to avoid writing a company policy, Vern? Yeah, I, when I review policies for employers, I often see things like um, cutoff levels listed. Uh, Cutoff levels, the ones that we utilize in the laboratory, are typically mandated and recommended by the Department of Health and Human Services. Those cutoff levels change according to uh, court cases and best science at the time. And because they change, placing them in a policy can often be restrictive. Uh, So, therefore, we recommend that we don't really publish those. We just typically will say that we follow the recommendations. But that's something that we typically see that, um, that we recommend that they remove. Or any time we get really detailed in exactly what's going to happen at the collection site. I think it's a good idea to, to discuss in the policy some overall protections for the employee to make sure we get the right test. But when we get too detail-oriented, now all of a sudden it, can, it opens itself to legal challenges. Did we really follow that as prescribed? Uh, that's kind of a tough decision. Are there any other considerations regarding a policy that an employer should explore? Yeah, 
basically compliance with federal testing regulations. Obviously, if you're subject to the DOT testing regulations, we need to make certain that, um, that we follow those to the letter. But not only federal, there are state laws and local laws that we have to take into consideration. So when we're developing a policy, one, we have to find out where, in fact, the, the testing is going to take place. Some states like Iowa become very, very restrictive and are very detail-oriented as to how we test and how we report a test. So it's very important to take in local and federal and state laws. Uh, another consideration often that we look at is um, denial of workers' compensation and unemployment benefits. Many states now allow an employer, after an accident, and they do a post-accident test, if that, if that test is positive, shows the presence of drugs, they, the state allows them to deny workers' compensation uh, to that particular em the employee. And many states also allow us to challenge the rece receipt of, uh, of initial unemployment benefits. Those are two very strong cost considerations an employee has to look, an employer has to look at. And of course, the last thing, and one that has uh, been uh, stealing a lot of headlines, is the medicinal marijuana issues. Um, there are several states, primarily in the West, that have adopted laws allowing employees to receive marijuana medicinally just at a, a physician's recommendation. These are not legal prescriptions. And so an employer has to decide, is this something I'm going to allow in the workplace, that a physician recommending that I use medicinal marijuana, if that's going to be an explanation for a positive test? We literally have seen some of these uh, recommendations for something like arthritis or, or headaches, things that marijuana traditionally is not a good medicine for, and we literally have many, many drugs that are more effective than marijuana. That's something an employer needs to take a stand on, and then we need to make certain that the employees know what our stand is at that point. Thank you. This concludes our podcast. If you would like further information or assistance in developing a policy specific to your workplace, please contact us at ASTS at 800-477-3177 or visit us at our website at ASTSCorp.com. This has been the ASTS Podcast. For more information, visit our website at ASTSCorp.com.